back to vaccine researcher, family physician, Dr. Iris Gorfinkel, who joins us as she does each and every Wednesday. And Dr. Gorfinkel, we wanted to talk uh, about uh, the anti-vax tax, which is uh, no more in uh, Quebec. They've decided to uh, back off that. Uh, Quebec Premier Francois Legault scrapping plans to tax the unvaccinated. So I guess the question there moving forward and really for the country is, which strategy is best at maximizing vac- vaccination rates moving forward? You know, it's it's interesting, but mandates have actually been the most successful strategy. Well, let me strike that. The most successful strategy, and by far, has been the delivery of accurate and good information. That's worked for the vast majority of Canadians. So we saw a very strong majority of, majority of Canadians getting vaccinated just by giving and getting good information. I'm talking about timely, accurate, openness, transparency about what we know about vaccines, what we don't know about how successful they are, about side effects. That's been by far the most useful thing. I, I actually think we have to bring a certain media literacy into schools so that children can better understand what is truly misinformation, because that by far has been the most successful strategy. So leaving that aside, mandates have actually been tremendously effective. In Ontario, we saw after they introduced certain mandates on the day, practically just the announcement of it, we see a strong uptick in in vaccinations. We also saw strong upticks in vaccinations when it came to government, like federal government proposals, including in all of the federally paid workers. When they said, Take your pick. You're going to be either vaccinated or you're going to have to face unpaid leave. That resulted in a 99% acceptance rate of the vaccine. That's insane. I mean, that's just so amazing. So what doesn't work? This is interesting. Lotteries and financial incentives really do not work. You know, so Alberta, they tried this, you know, gift cards. They had uh, max a million or some lottery, you could win a million dollars in. You'd think that incentivized people. Well, actually, the rates of uptake were not that high as a result. In fact, it, it kind of fizzled out. It somehow worked in the in California, but when it came to Alberta, I, I think Albertans were actually more likely to dig in their heels and say, wait a second, if it's such a good thing, then why are you offering money to do it? So let's look, take a look at what happened in Quebec. Absolutely fascinating. So last month, you know, Quebecers were threatened by saying it, you will have a significant penalty. We didn't know what that penalty was. We thought it was around $100, but we weren't actually sure if you don't get vaccinated. I'm very fearful when I hear things like that. Every single province and territory wrapped its arms around itself and said, no, 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 no. It's not going to be us. We're not doing that. And sure enough, Quebec let go of that. Why is that a problem? Because it taxes the poor people, the people who have no money to begin with, and they're already behind the eight ball. And I ask, do we tax other bad habits? Smoking? Well, arguably, yeah, they pay more taxes, I suppose. What about alcohol? A little bit more. But what about other things that aren't quite as clear? We know that when you don't sleep enough, you harm your immune system, and big time. What about people who don't exercise and eat way too much? Are we taxing them? 
You know, so I'm I'm very glad that they let go of that. I think that's a very slippery slope, and it erodes uni- the universal nature of the Medicare that we have in place. All right. Well, speaking of that, speaking of Medicare, we want to circle back. You mentioned hospital beds in our last segment, and want to talk a bit more about that because if COVID has highlighted anything, it's just how fragile our healthcare system is. And do you think, uh, you know, as we continue to work our way, hopefully towards an endemic and come out of this uh, pandemic, that it's time that we all face up to the fact that, uh, you know, it's been well quoted and I think documented that uh, even in quote unquote normal times, our hospitals, they're essentially running, I guess, at near crisis levels. Absolutely true. And in fact, never mind, turn the clock back. What did we have before the pandemic? It was pretty much 100% occupancy to begin with. You know, so enter the pandemic. Were we ready? I don't think we were. But where we really thrive, is in death rates. Actually, our death rates to COVID were really low. If you take a look at the United States, it's incredible. Their death rates are not just a little higher. They are way higher. You know, and and you might ask, why is that? And I think that it's because we have a better preventative system in place. The vaccine uptake, let's just dip that booster barometer right in there and take a look and see what it was. Like you look at how many Canadians have had the booster so far. The answer, 36% of Canadians have taken a booster shot. How many in the U.S. have done it? Less than 24%. That's where it's at. That's a massive difference. And we know that you have one dose of a vaccine or two you don't, the protection from COVID really goes down, especially like we're talking Omicron. That's the problem. Yes, it keeps hospitalizations down, but every single variant has been a little better at escaping the immunity, whether that's immunity from vaccination or from previous illness. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's a serious problem. Okay, so obviously vaccination protects our hospitals, protects ourselves. But when we talk about protecting our hospitals, I mean, do we have to have, uh, again, a serious uh, look and discussion about our healthcare system, adding hospital uh, beds and increasing uh, capacity to make sure that uh, we never find ourselves uh, in this situation again? Yeah, you know, I wish it were just that simple. It would take a lot of hospital beds to get us back to even where we were in 1975. So we heard in the news today. We are going to create 3,100 3, 3, new beds. What does that even mean? Consider that there were 21,000 beds last year. We're now down to about 14,000. Great. So you add another 3,100. We're still not up to last year's levels. It's not just a matter of beds. It's a matter of making sure we have the people to man those beds. And that's not an easy thing when you have isolation periods and Omicron and so many people infected. So it is a complicated thing. You can build all the beds you want, but if you don't have nurses and not just nurses, but experienced nurses running those beds, that's going to be a real problem. All right. Got to leave it there uh, for now. Dr. Gorfinkel, appreciate the conversation, the discussion as always. Thanks so much uh, for joining us. Have a great rest of the week. Many thanks for having me, Jeff. Always a pleasure. You bet. There's vaccine researcher, family physician, Dr. Iris Gorfinkel, who joins us each and every Wednesday, of course, at this time to go over the latest COVID headlines. All right, we've got to get a break. Stay with us. You're listening to The Jeff MacArthur Show.
Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone. Like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.